songs to remind us that it's not what we do, it's not how powerful we are in our resolve, but it is the grace of God working in our lives that makes us different. That God can forgive every sin, as the song we sang together, a different song, I think, than uh, we'd sung before. I don't recall singing that song uh, that you had on the screen uh, about the Lord can forgive every sin. Uh, but he does, and uh, he does a transformation by his grace. Uh, so where we say, I, I can't do it, I can't, I can't be that kind of person, the Lord comes and works in our lives and gives us the power and the strength to be what he wants us to be. So uh, we never have to say uh, that we just would not be part of that because we don't have that power, but it's through grace by faith that we receive God's strength into our lives. And so this morning we're going to look at a scripture and over in the book of Matthew chapter 20 and verse 20. Uh, we could read more than that, uh, but uh, let's stand together and uh, I'm going to talk to you a little bit about a mother's desires that bear fruit. Then came to him, then came to Jesus, the mother of Zebedee's children, with her sons, worshiping him and desiring a certain thing of him. And he said unto her, What wilt thou? She saith unto him, Grant that these my two sons may sit, the one on thy right hand and the other on thy left, in thy kingdom. And so I'm not going to read the rest of that. Uh, and we're going to look over at John later, uh, the last chapter of John. But for now, let's bow our heads and ask the Lord to help us as we think about this scripture. Lord, thank you for our time together this morning. Thank you, dear Lord, that you are still in the sin-forgiving business, that there is a fountain that was opened in the house of David for sin and uncleanness. And Lord, your blood is still powerful today. To everyone that cries out for forgiveness, you bring forgiveness to them and you make a transformation in their lives that is beyond the description that human language can convey. Lord, we thank you for that. We thank you for the promises of the Word of God. Thank you for this story this morning, this lesson, dear Lord. We pray, dear Jesus, that you'll help us to receive good from it and be encouraged by it. We ask all these favors in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. And so uh, the two verses that are read, one that I listed in the bulletin, the other one, uh, I didn't list uh, 20 and 21. Uh, 
You may look at this and you realize that uh, she had come talking to Jesus about her two sons. Her two sons are James and John. James and John. And so Jesus came with special request to Jesus for James and John. And this woman uh, who came to Jesus, uh, we're going to try to we're going to try to identify her. Uh, maybe maybe you already have identified her. Uh, I found some interesting things in my research, and so uh, the first thing perhaps we would look at is to say, uh, out of the twelve that Jesus called to be with him. Uh, here is a mother coming and saying, uh, I want you to choose my two uh, to be the top number one and number two of the disciples. It kind of kind of make you mad if you were one of the other ten, wouldn't it? Uh, who, who do they think they are and what's she trying to pull? Um, because remember that they were talking, they were thinking in terms of an earthly kingdom. When Jesus called them, uh, they thought this is this is the promised one to come. He's going to overthrow the Roman government. He's going to set up an earthly kingdom right now. Well, he is going to set up an earthly kingdom, but it wasn't right then. There was a cross between that time to come where there would be an earthly kingdom, and there was the ascension of Jesus back to the Father, and there's the conversion of Gentiles to Jesus. And so there were many things that still had to transpire before there would be an earthly kingdom. But these disciples only thought about a coming deliverer, some, someone from the house of David, David being the great warrior, David being the great hero. And this hero was going to overthrow the Romans and he was going to reestablish the Jewish nation as being uh, paramount. But uh, she, so she had this in her mind, no doubt prompted by her boys. If you read in the book of Mark, you find that uh, they, the boys had talked to Jesus, uh, and it may have been the same time that uh, they are together in, in uh uh, the scripture in Mark chapter 10 verse 35 uh, refers to this same episode. Uh, so evidently it was something that uh, was among them as the boys and the mother. And so uh, what do we know about, about this? Um, for one thing, I want you to know that uh, James and John were called to follow Jesus, but they were, they were not alone in their, in the, as far as the family was concerned of their adoration and their obedience to Jesus. James and John. Uh, Recall when uh, James and John were called. Uh, the scripture tells us in the book of Mark chapter 1, 
and verse 19 that when, uh, when James and John were called, uh, it says, and when Jesus, says he, had gone a little further thence, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who also were in the ship mending their nets. So there had been two others called from a fishing boat, and now James and John are called from this fishing boat. Uh, so they're, they're mending the nets. A uh, net can snag on rocks and tear, tear the net. So they had, to, they had to fix them so that they would once again uh, be whole and be able to catch fish without the fish swimming through the hole in the net. And uh, it says, straightway, he, Jesus, called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the ship with the hired servants and went after him. Uh, now this, in the call of James and John, um, we don't find Zebedee playing an active role after this time. He's with the boys here, the boys go. Uh, they evidently had a thriving fishing business because there were hired servants in the boat. So when, when James and John leave, there are still men there to work and, and to do the job of bringing in a catch of fish and selling them uh, as was a thriving biz business. Uh, depending on the catch, depending if you could catch the fish. And so uh, the scripture says uh, that they left, they went, and they followed Jesus. Uh, so uh, when, we, when we talk about uh, James and John, uh, we also find that their mother uh, had a, a great regard for Jesus. Uh, so, uh, when she asked for her sons to be at the right hand and the left hand of Jesus, we could find fault with her and say it was very selfish, uh, it was very self-seeking, uh, she was really out of line to do that, but if you think about it a little bit beyond the surface, then you're thinking that here is a mother who wanted her sons to always be under the control of Jesus. They would be if they were in his kingdom. Uh, they would always be close. He would always be in charge of them. Uh, why would that matter? Uh, every mother knows her son's weaknesses, uh, her son's shortcomings, uh, the threats that, that uh, may lurk for uh, the destruction of, of her son or sons. And uh, if you look over in Mark chapter 3 and verse 17, uh, you'll find what Jesus said about James and John. In 3.17, when he called them to be his disciples, the Bible says, and James the son of Zebedee, and John the brother of James, 
he surnamed them Boanerges. Boanerges. You probably didn't use that word this morning for anything. Uh, it means uh, sons of thunder. Sons of thunder. Do you think uh, Jesus might have realized that these boys had an anger issue? That uh, they might have had times when the temper went red hot and uh, they, they uh, could lose control? Uh, there, there are many people that are in prison uh, or have been in prison. I think they let a bunch of them out, didn't they? But uh, temper has gotten the best of them uh, with other men or in a household, domestic violence and so forth. Uh, maybe this mother saw this as an opportunity for her sons to always be with this wonderful teacher and this loving Jesus who could make a difference in their lives. Uh, how about over in the book of Luke chapter 9 and verse 49 uh, where the scripture tells us that uh, they were very dominating or domineering. Uh, Luke chapter 9 and verse 49 tells us that by their own admission, uh, John answered and said, Master, or Jesus, we saw one casting out devils in thy name, and we forbade him because he followed not with us. He wasn't one of our group, and we told him to stop it. Uh, Jesus said to him, don't forbid him, for he that is not against me is for me. And then in that same chapter, if you look at verse 54, you find, you find another flare here with James and John. And when his disciples James and John saw, and it's referring to the fact that uh, in verse 52, he sent messengers before his face, they went and entered into a village of the Samaritans to make ready for him, but the Samaritans did not receive him because he was going to go to Jerusalem. And so when his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, wilt thou that we command fire to come down from heaven and to consume them, even as Elijah did? Uh, let's get a little heavenly napalm, and we'll just... We'll ignite them. They, they'll learn not to mess with you when you want to come. They will, those that hear about this will welcome you out of fear. Jesus said, Jesus rebuked them. Wow, it sounds like mom had the right idea, having her boys close to Jesus if it was all possible. Jesus rebuked them and said, You know not what, what manner of spirit you are of, for the Son of Man is not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And so um, we see that she may have had good foundation, good reason to want to be, want to have her sons always under the influence of Jesus. Also notice this when uh, she speaks to Jesus here in Matthew 20, 20 and 21. 
that uh, she believed that he was a king and he was going to be getting a kingdom. That he had, he had a title right now, he was a king, but he didn't have his kingdom yet, but he was going to get his kingdom. So uh, she was full of faith that this was going to happen, that he was going to have a kingdom. Um, so uh, with this belief, she believed that he was more than just an itinerant rabbi, a traveling rabbi with a message. Uh, who was this woman? Now there you can get into some interesting things. Uh, for one thing, I'm going to state a few things and then I'll read some scriptures to prove my point. For one thing, she did not just promote her sons to be with Jesus. She followed Jesus herself and she helped support him. She gave out of her livelihood, no doubt from what Zebedee made from the fishing business, she gave to help support the ministry of Jesus. Uh, she ministered to him financially, probably as well as other ways, as a traveling preacher would need various things done to help him be able to continue on to travel and spread the message. And so uh, she, had, she had a strong devotion. I think this says something about Zebedee. You know, we just read about him. They called, him, called the boys out of the boat. <laughs> These young men, they followed Jesus. Here Zebedee is. You never read anything about Zebedee saying, hey, come back here, you guys. We got fish to catch. Uh, it's, it looks like he uh, encourages them to go on. And not only does he lose his sons to follow Jesus, but it appears in part that he lost his wife to follow Jesus, that, that she was involved in the ministry of Jesus also. And so... The scripture tells us that uh, she was a supporter and she was devoted to Jesus. Uh, so, yes, she knew it would be good for the boys, but she also knew deep down in her heart that she believed he was who he said he was and that he had the power of God and he was doing the will of God and she wanted to be in alliance with him. She wanted to be part of his ministry. She wanted to be part of what he was doing. And so uh, she followed him. Now, uh, if you want to know who she is, uh, it, depends, it depends on whether or not you put two or three people in this verse, uh, I believe that, or not two or three, but three or four people in this verse. Uh, so if you look at John chapter 19, verse 25, uh, John 19 and verse 25. So we're, we're looking way over, and 
we're looking over at, at this verse that tells us uh, the people that stood by the cross. So we've gone way ahead now. We're not going chronological. We're way ahead. Jesus has been crucified or is in the pre process uh, of being crucified. Uh, now there stood by the cross of Jesus his mother and his mother's sister. Mary, the wife of Cleophas, and Mary Magdalene. Now some people take this verse and they make this to be three people. If you make it to be three people, then you don't have an identification here. And they can do that. I go with the comma. I know that the, this was not something that was part of the original manuscript, the comma. Uh, but uh, if, you, if you say there stood by the cross of Jesus, his mother and his mother's sister, and you make that to be Mary, Mary the wife of Cleophas, and Mary Magdalene, then you have three people. Then you don't know who, who this sister is, except you say, well, it's Mary. But I believe there's four people, and that comma gives you that that reason for that. I'll give you another, another reason I picked up from a commentary. Uh, so four people, they're stood by the cross of Jesus, his mother, his mother's sister, break, somebody else, Mary, the wife of Cleophas, number three, and Mary Magdalene. So you have four of them standing there. And so uh, I want you to look now at at uh, two verses uh, that if you put one over top of the other, they're both in, a, in different Gospels. Um, so look at, look at Mark chapter 15 and verse 40. Mark chapter 15 and verse 40. And it says this, There were also women looking on afar off, among whom was Mary Magdalene, and Mary, the mother of James, the less, which means the younger. If you see that on a Catholic church, James the less, it means James, the younger James. There were two James. And Joseph, who is John, and in, in the old King James Version, you would say Salome, but in the newer pronunciation, you say Salome. So I don't know which way you want to say it, but I thought I would give you both options. You can say Salome. Now, it's not salami. <laughs> it's not salami. We're not making subs here. It's either Salome or Salome. And so she's standing there. Now, I want you to put that verse over top of another verse. And uh, this one we're going to look at is almost, almost the same. And that is Matthew 27, 56. 
Matthew 27, 56. Okay, so we're looking at many women were there beholding afar off, is what verse 55 says. And they followed Jesus from Galilee, ministering unto him. Okay, so look at this. Among which was Mary Magdalene, and Mary the mother of James and Joseph, and the mother of Zebedee's children. And the mother of Zebedee's children. Now, if you pick, if you pick that other verse up that I just read to you in the book of Mark, and you see there in the book of Mark 1540, I'm going to read it again. There were also women looking on afar off, among whom was Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, the less, and Joseph, and Salome, or, or Salome. Uh, so you have a name there supplied. Do you see that? 56 just says, over in Matthew, the mother of Zebedee's children. But here in Mark, it names her as Salome, or, or the other pronunciation, Salome. So I believe that we're talking about James and John's mother, and I believe it is Salome, or Salome. And so if you're getting all confused on that, if you get an old King James and you look at it, you'll see the accent is on the L-O, Salome. And so that's where, that's why us old people call that that way. But the, the younger, smarter people have another pronunciation, just like Zacchaeus and Zacchaeus. It's the same guy, they just put the accent a different place. So uh, this evidently was Mary's sister. That's what I believe. Um, others could disagree, but I think there's pretty strong evidence to say that she was Mary's sister. So when she came to Jesus, she could be coming there and saying, I'm your aunt. Uh, I want this for my boys. Jesus didn't give an inch, did he? He wouldn't, he wouldn't grant that. Remember when the, when the people came to the house and said, your mother and your brethren are out here, and they seek Jesus said, who is my mother and who are my brothers? There are these here that are hearing the word of God and receiving the word of God. So Jesus did not, did not give a credence or preference, I should say, to elevating family members. And certainly we're glad for that because Jesus has no equals and Jesus has no favorites, does he? We're all, we're all favorites with him, praise his name. And so uh, this mother was wishing for her boys to always follow Jesus. And you can tell from the verses I read to you that she, along with other women, were supporting Jesus as he traveled. It wasn't just, uh, you guys go on, you guys are in good company. She was actually supporting Jesus, and I think Zebedee must have been also. Can't prove it, 
but it looks pretty strong to me. Uh, so if you didn't jot those verses down, you jot those verses down. You look, up, look at them on your own. Uh, and that was Matthew or Mark 15, 40. And put that over top of Matthew 27, 56. And look at them yourself and see what you come up with. And see if you also see a comma there that belongs, that makes four women where I read instead of three women with a, with a description. So, so we have here a woman, a mother, who was, who, whose intention was that her boys would follow Jesus. Now I want you to look over at John, and I'm not spe preaching a separate sermon now, so don't get too panicky. <coughs> you'll still have time to take mom. If your mom's alive, you'll still be, have time to take mom uh, special significance of your love for her. So look in, in John 21. <coughs> Remember last week, I tried to preach to you out of this first part of John 21. Uh, I want you to notice, and I said we don't condemn, we don't condemn them for going fishing because they were in Galilee where Jesus wanted them to be. They had some spare time, so they went fishing. Uh, the, there were together, this is verse 2, and I'm not reading the scripture list in the bulletin yet. There were together Simon Peter and Thomas called Didymus, which is twin, and Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, and the sons of Zebedee. So there's James and John. And two other of his disciples. Let me get a drink here. <coughs> so Salome's boys or Salome's boys are still hanging with the other followers of Jesus. It means a lot, folks. They're in good company. When we break off with good company, with people that love Jesus, we get ourselves in trouble a lot of times. So these are, they're still hanging with them. Jesus appears, and we're not going to go over all that again. <clears throat> and, he, and he gives them fish that he has cooked and puts their fish with his fish. And he also has bread that he gives to them. And that the bread is no problem because he is the bread of life. And he had the power to have bread as he multiplied bread. We know that, that five barley loaves and two small fish, uh, some way there was a miracle there, wasn't there a multiplication of the bread? God had to make the bread right on the spot so there would be enough or multiply it however you want to say it. So Jesus had the power to do that. So then we come to John 21, 20, and it says, Peter turning about seeth the disciple whom Jesus loved. <coughs> Following, and that is John. We've come to understand that is John, which also leaned on his breast at supper and said, Lord, 
which is he that betrayeth thee? Peter, seeing him, saith to Jesus, Lord, and what shall this man do? Now, you know, I have looked at that at times and thought Peter was just being nosy. Peter was delving into something that we really had no business delving into. But as I've read on that, some believe it was because Peter and John were very close and he was concerned about John. He wanted to know what was going to happen to John. And the scripture tells us that Jesus said, If I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? Follow thou me. Then this saying went abroad among the brethren that this disciple should not die. Yet Jesus did not say unto him that he should not die, but that if I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? This is the disciple which testifieth of these things and wrote these things, and we know that his testimony is true. He goes on to say that there are so many things that he could never write all the things about Jesus that he knew. And so we have, we have Salome's boys that are still following Jesus. Now what happens? You know, I preached a few weeks ago on what happened to John's brother James. James, we're told in the 12th chapter of the book of Acts that he was killed by Herod. He was beheaded. But folks, he stayed true to Jesus. He stayed true to Jesus. I I want to read something else to you out of the book of Acts, the first chapter in the book of Acts. It says, when they were waiting after Jesus had ascended back to heaven, the disciples had seen him go to heaven, and Jesus had told them to wait until they received the promise of the Father. And it says that they were, they were together, they were waiting on this promise that God had given them. Um, and the scripture says uh, that uh, there, were, there were a great many that were gathered together in the upper room. Uh, so if you look in verse 12, then returned they unto Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is from Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. That's where they saw Jesus ascend back to heaven. And when they were come in, they went up into an upper room, and there abode both Peter, James, and John, and Andrew, Philip, and Thomas, Bartholomew, and Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon Zelotes, and Judas, the brother of James, of course not Judas Iscariot, the traitor. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication. There's 120 of them here in the upper room. And uh, with them that are named, with the women, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. Now you can read right over that, but it's more than Mary, the mother of Jesus. It is with the women, with the women. Folks, I believe Salome was there. I believe she was there. I think she was one of the women in the upper room here that was waiting for the promise that Jesus had said would come. 
What do we know happened to John? He became a transformed man when the coming of the Holy Spirit put a new spirit in him. Because you can read over in the book of 1 John, and we are told that, look at 1 John chapter, now we're talking about the letter of John now, we're not talking about the gospel of John, the letter of John. <clears throat> So the first letter, the first epistle of John, and we're looking at four, chapter four, verses seven through 12. And it says this, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God, and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. In this was manifest the love of God toward us, because that God sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. Herein is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us, and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No man has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us and his love is perfected in us. Wow. This guy that's ready to bring the holy napalm down and burn up the Samaritans is talking about love. And of course, he and Peter are two that go to the Samaritan village to invite the Holy Spirit into the lives of the Samaritans. We have, we have the evidence of a changed life. John has become the apostle of love. He's not the apostle of vengeance and, and harshness. He's the, the apostle of love. And so a mother's desires bear fruit. Yes, she was there. She ministered. She gave. She followed. She was one of them that followed Jesus around Galilee and also came with him down is to Jerusalem where he'd be crucified. Yeah, she was a devoted disciple. She wanted her boys to be close to Jesus. Yeah, she was off a little bit in what she was asking. And yeah, she might have used the aunt leverage. You know, I'm your aunt. She could have been off, but she had good, she had good desires. She had good intentions. I want my boys to always be close to Jesus. Folks, as, as we come to this Mother's Day, <clears throat> we thank God for people in our lives, mothers as we look at it today, that have prayed, sought God's will for our lives, and continued to pray. Some mothers have prayed and prayed and, and have had their hearts broken, but we have to keep trying, don't we? We have to keep sowing the seed. We have to keep on being faithful, and we have to continue to promote the idea of getting our kids to Jesus. If we can get our kids, our young people, to Jesus and get them to follow Jesus, their lives can be meaningful. And folks, we have to do, follow Jesus also. It wasn't enough for Mary to say, I want my boys to do that. <clears throat> I don't mean Mary. I mean Salome. 
she had to do the same thing, didn't she? She had to follow Jesus. She had to be supportive of the work. And she was a good example to her sons. Will you stand with me this morning? <clears throat> I hope I didn't chase you around too much here and there. <clears throat> Maybe you got a new insight, a new idea. And I hope, I hope you did. And I hope most of all you're encouraged to live for the Lord, to do His will. And, you know, with all the good intentions, we all have to start at the foot of the cross, don't we? We all have to start with being born again. Jesus said you must be born again. We have to have a heavenly birth if we want to follow Jesus. And that starts with our confession of our sins and asking Christ to be our Savior. And we, we encourage you to do that publicly, to come to Jesus and ask His forgiveness and ask Him to come into your life to help you be the person He wants you to be. You can't do it on your own, folks, but you can do it by the power of God. Let's bow our heads this morning.